This episode of Earl Grey is brought to you by Audible.com, offering more than 150,000 titles for iPhone, iPad, and iPod, Android, Kindle, Windows Phone, plus Mac or PC. To get a free audiobook of your choice, visit audibletrial.com slash trekfm. Hey everyone, I'm Rod Roddenberry, and you're listening to Trek FM. T. Earl Grey, hot. It's time for another serving of Earl Grey, our dedicated TNG show. I'm Daniel Pru, sitting in the center chair this week, and, well, on my left, I guess I'm joined by the entire Gilfus clan. Philip, why... The, all of your family is here. What is going on? There's like 16 Gilfuses. Well, I mean, you know, we've been doing almost 90 episodes, and people have been clamoring to know more about my background, um, you know, because this is a character show. You know, it's not just plot-driven every week here on Earl Grey. And so I thought people would learn, like, to know all the references I've made uh, throughout the past 90-some episodes, and, you know, it can finally flesh out my character. And I think that would be great as we end the uh, series. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, and on my left, I, once again, I'm the last to know that this, we're ending our own show. <laughs> and uh, on my left, I'm, I'm joined by Darren Moser. Darren, uh, that's an interesting streak of color you have in your hair there. Yes, I, I decided, you know, being, you know, having the blonde tips in the 90s was really the big thing. But I just wanted to do it to like a quarter of my head because I really just can't commit the whole way. That way I could, you know, put one of those little mini fedoras off to one side and you wouldn't even know. I don't really know if that explains why you have so many cats <laughs> lying around, but but we can get into that later, I think. Uh, so, yeah, today, uh, everybody, we're going to do our final season overview. We are now on season seven, um, even though we actually, previous to this, have done uh, season eight episode which was also interesting but kind of you know spoilers. a little bit different spoilers exactly uh we'll find a way to do season nine i'm sure we, we'll think of <laughs> we'll think of more probably will but yeah um you know i thought this was time to wrap it up we're like like philip said we're heading towards the 100 episode mark let's um we'll get seven seasons done plus a non-existent season um and maybe eventually we'll get to talk about beverly but we don't know we don't no, really know if that's ever gonna happen no, it will. It will. <laughs> uh, so, yes. So we've talked about every season um, up to season six. And so TNG has is pretty famously known for kind of, uh, I don't know, I feel like except for, I guess, season, uh, except for, I guess, TOS, which has less seasons, so it's easier to remember, TNG is very season by season known for like quality wise, right? Like we, everybody knows season one and season two are really weak. Justice. <laughs> and then uh, season seven is often regarded as, as kind of a, a weak season. And so this will be an interesting topic because I know in seasons three, four, five, and six, we all t- pretty much just loved those seasons. We talked about how much we couldn't get enough of them. We thought they were great. You know, they had some missteps of course, but they were, Firing on all cylinders. Season seven is a little different. Senioritis. Um, so <laughs> it is. It is the next generation crew at their most established. Um, real quick, Philip, what do you think uh, when you think season seven? What comes to your head? Um. Well, I should have done this a long time ago. <laughs> um. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting because I know this is kind of silly to say in the age of Blu-ray and, and HD and all that, but sort of like season seven, like what you sort of said, like that's sort of like the perfect picture of the cast. And as I've done my rewatch, you know, I'll see something from a season three or season five. I'm like, oh, hell, that was season seven because <laughs> I thought, you know, the stories are so solid sometimes uh, or a lot of times. But, you know, season seven has that look, like you said, like Worf, you know, if you wanted to... D- Look at any character who changes looks the most in Next Generation that is Worf. And there is, like, when you think of Worf, you're probably thinking of Season 7 and you're sort of retroactively making him look that way for the past six seasons. Because that's the ridges are sharp, the hair's long, you know, things are like, you know, they finally got that makeup right. Like, 
I'm glad we'll get to use the. Oh, we're, we're ending it. Okay, I see. Um, well, well, they they, they did. You never they know did. when you might need to use this again. No, I'm I'm throwing this away. <laughs> <laughs> you could need it for four more seasons. Um, but and and, and going through the episode list, which I know we'll we'll talk about and all that. I think there are some really big episodes. Like, um, and I know I use this every other season we've talked about, but there are some big epic. Uh, episodes um, and just two quickly, um, it, you know, Pegasus it is to me is such a big story, um, and then Parallels, which you know might you know, like that's that's your biggest one, but like to me that that's such a fascinating concept and a lot of all that production that would have had to be done for that episode. So there's more than that, of course, but those are sort of the two bigs that, that come out at me. Like, yep, they they weren't holding back, and then there's Sabrosa. <laughs> well, in parallels, it, in some ways, it was best to do in season seven because you literally just said, okay, what extra junk have we shoved on the bridge in the last seven years that we got in storage that we can pull out to make the Enterprise look different? Because that's literally what they did. <laughs> it's like there's no all those stupid ideas about how the bridge is going to look. Okay, we can do it for one reality each. All right. <laughs> uh, yeah, and what about, what about you, Darren? Like, what do you think of, like, what is the first thing that pops into your head when you're thinking season seven? Well, it's yeah, it, kind of that you have a bit of that roller coaster of of I wouldn't say quality of episodes, but just like you know, you've had such strong seasons, and it's definitely kind of time to to wrap it up. But again, as we look at this in hindsight, of this was oh, this is seven seasons, and then we got seven seasons of DS Nine, seven seasons of Voyager. Like that was more of the standard, but that's not the standard back in you know ninety three. Like that's. Uh, you know, that's, or, you know, 94, when this is ending, the fact that it had gone seven years at all was still amazing that this Star Trek show was going for so long. And, you know, I'm sure there's some fans out there who are like, oh, we need a season eight, but, you know, uh, DS9 is not enough. We need more, <laughs> you know, but, uh, but yeah, but just overall, um, yeah, I totally agree with Philip, though. There's some, there's some great episodes in here. And you'd think that it's just going to be completely winding down like the end of a bell curve. But no, it's it's they still it's the other way, you know, throw in. <laughs> yeah, it's the other way. Well, I guess they throw in, I guess, maybe what's so jarring about the deep, big episodes is that you feel like you're supposed to be in a wrap up mode. I mean, this is very different than what DS9 did, where, like, the last 10 episodes were literally, like, let's go around the clock and wrap up all as much as we can. Whereas because there's these little gems that pop out in season seven, we're like, Oh, I'd like to see more of that. Oh, but <laughs> we're episode 23 of 26. And it's, there's really just not that much. It's just like, you feel like the tapes run out and you're like, oh, I wish there was more, but, but there's well, not, it was the weirdest thing. I mean, it's not weird, but to me, it's, it's such a cop out. I was reading uh, one of Larry's books or the, the companion for next gen about the seventh season and, and looking, flipping through some of the episodes, it was almost like, oh we could solve this Uh, let's save it for the movies oh we could solve you know let's save this for the movies i'm like none of the movies ever touched any of these issues what were we saving (laughs) any of this for and i don't know if our listeners have had a chance to listen to this or not but uh uh you know the mission log guys had marina sirtis on uh recently and she was talking about how TNG, there was talk, or, or it could have easily gone on for an additional two seasons, which is crazy to think about in hindsight, right? And and even, I think, we might not have gone for that. I, Eight I don't seasons know. in a movie? It's like entering MASH territory yeah, right yeah. there. <laughs> um, but, you know, and, and, and what she had said was that basically that Deep Space Nine wasn't actually getting the attention, and they thought that maybe if, if, they, if they cut off next generation on tv then that then those people would flock to deep space nine um and which is a really interesting concept if uh, what would have happened and and of course we've had a season eight episode and you guys can go listen to that but it's just interesting to think now like what if you're right darren that now it's standard that star trek goes seven years but that was arbitrary that's just because that's where tng ended it ended at seven years and that makes a lot of sense um, one other thing that I wanted to note was I agree with you, Darren, about you know when you look at the end of Deep Space Nine versus the end of TNG, they they approach it very differently. And while I don't think TNG would have been very well served with a, a nine or ten episode arc ending the show, just because that's not the show that we that TNG was, 
Um, and like Philip says, maybe they were trying to save things for the movies. I do wish there was more of a more of a closure to it. More of a like we are heading towards the end. I mean, to be fair, maybe that would have detracted from all good things. Maybe that ending of all good things is so powerful because you recognize that our our heroes are going on an adventure and the and that they will perpetually go on forever and always and that's like such a tng thing it's great but even then like there you know at some point you're like yeah i would like to get some sort of like some sort of like sense that the show is is coming to an end i mean and there was closure for certain characters let's say closure or at least you know and some were better than others like you had a row closure you had a that's true heavy sigh wesley Um, you know, you had an Ensign Cito closer. Oh, 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 Ensign Cito. Oh, too soon. We'll we'll get into that, I guess. We'll we'll get more into it as the episode goes on. But um, as we've kind of been skirting around, um, in my opinion, this season does falter quite a bit. Um, Not the whole thing. Actually, I was going through the list. I was kind of surprised, uh, you know, just to see it. And so, there are a lot of strong episodes in it, but this is known as like the bring your third step cousin to the party kind of season. I mean, it doesn't get that bad, but like, it's crazy how many extra family members we get in this season. And like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't, I, yeah, I don't. I don't. Care. Now's the time for family development. Oh wait. <laughs> so wait. So Daniel, what is the weaker way to open a season? Um, in the Power Ranger uh, Command Center <laughs> or in 19th century San Francisco? I knew you were going to ask that question. <laughs> Descent is is easily a better episode than uh, Time Zero. Yeah, I'll, I'll give it to Descent. Um, even, uh, mostly because of that weird Borg ship we never ever get to see again, which was kind of crazy. on the Star Trek The Next Generation pinball game, not available at your local arcade. And kids who don't know <laughs> what an arcade is, we'll talk about it later. <laughs> kids, ask your parents. But, so, so, so Season 7 does have this stigma. It does have this kind of a reputation of not being as solid. And, not, and I, I agree with that. I Honestly, following 3 through 6... Uh, it's tough to live up to that. And like we already said, it's disappointing to a lot of people that it just goes and goes and goes and then stops. There's just nothing. It doesn't feel like a final season because they don't act like it's a final season. They just standalone, standalone. In fact, honestly, season seven is probably more standalone than, than the rest of the series, I would almost say. Um, so what do you do you guys think it is disappointing in light of how good the rest of the the, rec- the the more modern next generation seasons were or do you do you think that's totally off the mark yeah no i i think I, I agree with what you're saying is it does feel more like a standalone season and i think that ties into like what i was saying where it's like they they start a lot of new chapters for our characters but there's nowhere for those chapters to go because it's over you know, we get this great insight into Riker's past with Pegasus. We get the episode we've been waiting for forever where Picard and Beverly, you know, start to actually deal with their feelings. You know, we get uh, the warp drive speed limit. We get all, you know, all these things that just, oh, sorry, it can't pan out. We, uh, sky's the limit and whoosh, second start of the right. Here we go. <laughs> you know, it's like, we'll post your yearbook photo. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, yeah, and it's you know because it's we don't get to see, it. and again, I I feel like it was that whole like oh don't worry this will pay off on the movies later this will pay off on the movie like okay well like Troy's you got promoted like she's a commander with like five episodes left or something yeah. and like well what does that mean how is she gonna uh, it'll it'll be in the movies it wasn't in the movie I've seen all of them several times it never came up. Maybe that's why they could finally get married, is they had to be the same rank. <laughs> and then he and got you know promoted. What? And then, I, uh, think, I think this is a particularly good time to bring up the thing that everybody loves to bring up about Season 7, which is the Torf situation. Finally, yes! So the first glance, the parallels. The first glance we get of it is in <laughs> parallels, right? Well... And... Oh, do you have something else, Philip? No, you're right. Sorry, sorry. 
Um, I was going to say, that's the one where he goes into the parallel where they were married. married. So. And you know what? That makes sense because it's an alternate universe where crazy things are weird and it's supposed to be crazy and weird. We're not going back. You can't send us back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Riker beard. And then just all good things. Like, wh- Whoa, whoa you're, you're forgetting Eye of the Beholder. When Troy kills Worf. Oh, that's the one with the warp warp nacelle. Right, right, right. Yeah, Yeah. there's little, you know, portside Panthers rule. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you know, they did have they didn't focus on it very much, but I mean, it didn't necessarily come out of nowhere. Right. We get uh, an earlier uh, in an earlier season when Worf kind of gives Troy godmother status over I don't remember who it was. But, I think um, signs away his parental rights and gives away his child. I believe that's how that went, if I remember yeah, correctly. I just like, can you have him? Because I but really means... am not doing anything with him. Like, if you... Yeah, but anyways, like, really, to, to... It is brought up a lot for a reason, because to bring that up at the very tail end of the last season of the show that you're doing... Come on. Wait, wait, I mean, are you come... telling me... Hold on. That a Star Trek series, at the very end of its run, which suddenly, from out of nowhere... Put together two main characters as a romance. I don't believe it. I don't believe it. It would. It would never be done. <laughs> Are we speaking Chevin? of uh, a certain? Yeah, Chevin. Chevin. I was trying to think of a good, uh, good pairing. I'm pretty sure that was just because uh, Robert Beltran wanted to kiss Jerry Ryan, which you know, I, whatever, whatever. Because again, they had nowhere to go after the next. <laughs> So, yeah, we only got a couple more episodes in. Instead, we went with the, I guess, much ballooned uh, Beauty and the Beast, which I think is not a... I think Marina's pretty. I don't know why they call her... uh, Oh, I think maybe it's the other way. Never mind. So what would have happened, you know, say season six of Deep Space Nine, if Troy showed up? <laughs> I'm, I'm, how no, would she have I've already gotten, gotten along? Like, like what, what, how would Troy? How could she somehow make the line work? Like, what are you doing with that dog? I'm not talking about the puppy. <laughs> what are you doing with that worm? <laughs> so, wait, are we saying that she's showing up at on DS9 after, uh, or while Worf is starting a relationship with Jed Z? Yeah, like season six when they're like married and like they're like heavily involved. Well, I don't think she would care that they're married. I mean, she was upset she didn't get invited to the wedding. <laughs> that's true. But that's true. <laughs> I've been elected to represent the Enterprise crew. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody else wanted no, to come. No, Miles got that distinction. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. You invited uh, no. one of the little people? I'm just curious to think if the character of Troy and the character of uh, Jedzia would have gotten along. Well, they're both blue shirts. They are both blue shirts. Uh, it would have been interesting. I don't know. I I think maybe Jedzy is a little more free-spirited than Troy, so it would have been interesting. And I wonder what kind of uh, uh, emotions you get off of a Trill, because do you feel all of their host like, emotions? Like a multiple personality syndrome? <laughs> you, yeah, you get double <laughs> emotions or something. And also, I don't I don't ever remember Troy having to go see Dr. Crusher about any injuries being inflicted. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> I don't know if they ever got to that point, though. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That's actually interesting. Um, anyways. Uh, so, yes, let's talk about... Let's talk about the extended family of the Enterprise crew. Uh, so, so there's the been... Enterprise C, and yep. then there's the Enterprise B. Oh, you meant the yeah. crew. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, we get... Lots of family members. Um, some of them work, some of them don't. Dark Page is, is an episode that works for me. Uh, I think it's a solid episode, and that's a, a never heard of sibling that um, that that really makes sense and is interesting and adds to to that character. Um, there are some others that are some missteps. What do you guys think? Well, I thought the interesting one 
that I almost like I, I feel like in first run and maybe even watching it the second or third time around I'm like they never mentioned this guy but I'm like no they did and that was Worf's brother because I'm almost like he didn't have a brother Worf I've known you for seven years you've never said you had a brother but uh, but he's an adopted <laughs> brother okay no, but no they, it does come up like earlier in the series so it, it wasn't just like a whole cloth creation. But just the fact that I think he was mentioned, like, once or something, you know, and then they're like, oh, we've got to fill it out, you know, because we're doing the family trees for our school project at yeah. Captain Picard Day this year. <laughs> Seriously. Um, and that one, that one didn't work. Yeah. I, I don't want to say I blame the actor because it's a very good actor, it, but it just didn't work. Yeah. I did not buy it, him being Russian at all. It, yeah, I mean. <laughs> I mean, Paul Sorvino, for goodness sakes, but it just didn't work. And the uh, the episode we're talking about, of course, is Homeward. Yeah, and he, and he uh, married uh, Cisco's wife. That, that's no just... shadow, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's weird for me because I don't buy. Like, I totally bought Worf's parents as Worf's parents. Like, that made sense to me. This yeah. guy didn't. I don't know if he didn't have any chemistry with Michael Dorn or what, but it just didn't. He just didn't like it. Didn't just he was like just so, take the guy out and put Kern in his place, and it just becomes a way better episode. Well, Kern, it's so yeah, much Kern more makes fun. sense to me, and and um, you know it's a he, that character is the Cybok of TNG. You know this this it's so true. <laughs> this you know brother half brother that comes out of nowhere. It is the sign of the Ford, really. <laughs> Really? That's what we're going to go with here? I mean, he totally steals the plot to Insurrection, and I just don't feel like that was, <laughs> you know, fair for... Oh, oh, it came before that. Never mind. Oh, oh. <laughs> I actually still think that episode works better than Insurrection. <clears throat> but anyways, um, yeah, like, we also get, yeah. uh, you know, Data's uh, bot mom. Mom bot. <laughs> See, I mean, like, now, Inheritance. In and of itself, I think it is an interesting episode, but I just can't like you're stretching my soon logic yeah. so much. Like, yeah. like okay, like, he made another that's, one. That's perfect. Seriously, like, like, more know, advanced. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, yeah. And like you know, because I, I like lore. You know, like or, you know, you have data first, obviously. Then you have lore, which is first season data lore, and I can buy that. You know, and then after that, it just gets ridiculous. It's like you know, he's just making androids, and apparently they're the really good ones. You know, data and lore were like the you know. Windows 95 of suing Android, and like here's the you know XP apparently that that no one knew about you know and I I just it kind of stretches the logic after a certain point. Yeah, it's interesting because when I think of you know when I think of Soong and when I think of the androids, it's almost like I erase her from canon in my mind. I don't consider, I don't think about her. I, it doesn't ever, like, it's not a thing that's part of, like, I'm never like, oh, but what had happened with, I, I can't even remember her name. I'm sorry. Uh, Mrs. Soongbot? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know <laughs> what she is. Um, it's just. <sighs> Dr. Soong definitely had a knack for naming androids. <laughs> uh, I just, you know, it, it's just, it's. Her name not, was Juliana Tainer. I think because she got married. There you go. Man, man. Juliana soon dash Tainer. <laughs> Imagine finding out your wife was a bot. Was a data. But no, he did. He did. Oh, I thought I thought you were talking about soon. I'm like he built no, her. No, Daniel. no, no. Wait, that's right. Memory. Dude, this is a deep <laughs> sci-fi story. Nobody remembers. No, no, no. See, he see what we don't know is soon made the husband because he knew when she left, she he wanted her to find someone. And then it just spirals out of control. Well, I said, Soon was an android. He I was, was going to say he was a Cylon. The Soon entire created time. himself and then erased his own memory. And you think Picard only has a robot heart, but really he has a robot body. He was also a Soon bot. No, it's just it doesn't. I mean, they said they took all that Borg technology out, but how much did they really? And, and you don't remember that scene um, with Picard at Ten Ford saying the music's coming from within the ship. <laughs> it it gets ails for everyone. <laughs> it just it gets to a point, like Philip said, where it's just like you're not adding anything to the character of Data. Like, okay, this I imagine this was their thought process in the writers' room. Well, Data has a dad. Data has a brother. 
Data, data had a grandfather, <laughs> kind of. Grandfather. Uh, you know, what doesn't Data have? Oh, I know, a maternal figure. Um, oh, now Data has a mom. Like, And we'll add another brother later for good And measure. why not? Just because. <laughs> and it just... It, and the cat, too... <laughs> he's got a he's got a pet. He's got a best friend. He you know what else does Data have? He had a daughter. What else does Data need? Like I mean like and that's a perfect example. Compare uh, offspring to inheritance, and you can just see that it's like I guess we're out of family members for for Data. That's right. He has a daughter. Or he just needs a son. <laughs> and like the circle is complete. I, I'm it's struggling just, with the relationship with my nephew. I'm like, no, we, we sit there. <laughs> <laughs> Captain Picard. I don't believe other people asked you if they could have a nephew. <laughs> it's like, no, Data. What? No. And then double face. Well, I'll be an android's <laughs> uncle. Gosh. And and actually, almost as equally egregious as that is the episode. Bloodlines. Blood yes. Yeah, because you know who we need? We need a son for Picard. <laughs> you know, I you know mean, what? That he didn't know he had. That had hair. I, d- I don't Picard know. Picard is always interesting... compared to Kirk. Why does Kirk get to have an illegitimate son and Picard doesn't? Let's just throw it in there. But with the Maury Show twist, Picard is not the father. <laughs> <laughs> but see, but that's an... I like that... I mean, I'm not... Well, I, I don't really think it's a bad... I mean, I would say it's a middling episode. But I, I do think it's cute to do the sequel to the season one or two um, episode with with the guy coming back oh, again. Oh, season one. The battle. With Damon Bach. Yeah. The battle. Damon talk. Yeah. Uh, still, even still, I, I, I hate this concept. I hate this episode. I just I don't know what it is about Picard. I like the fact that he's familyless and alone. I don't know what it is. Like it makes sense to me. It just fits with his character. And every time they try to do this, like I know, of course, in family it works, but it's because you know it's 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 not anything that's really a significant part of his life, and and he's kind of cut that off from his entire existence. And it makes sense for that character so much to me. And uh, you know. We tried this once in in Suddenly Human, and we tried it again, and just I just don't buy it. I just don't. I just don't like it. Well, and it's like how we feel when we're in generations, and he has that you know fantasy of of a family, and it just feels so jarring. It's like, is this really what you want? And why is that not Beverly in your fantasy? Yeah, you know, in generations, it's it's totally weird because we've been told for seven years this man doesn't like children, doesn't want children, wants nothing to do with a family. But once you Frere Jaca in the turbo shift, everyone likes children. Uh, all right, uh, let me think. Is there any other uh, season seven family that we're that we haven't touched on? Well, of yeah. course, we Jordy's mother, Jordy's mom, and father. Actually, that's a, that's oh, he, his his parents. Yeah, that's actually not a. The episode's weird, but it's not the um, addition of his parents. I think is interesting. Um, you know, it it makes sense for the character, but we've never really been told about his family before, and that's actually an introduction that, to me, I, I have no problem with. I, I actually kind of like it. Although I can't, every time I hear the word the Hera, I keep thinking of like Wonder Woman whenever she's like, "Bye, Hera!" Like, oh my goodness. But yeah, and and because it's not like the mom's brought up when he's in the interface just solely it's no it's like it begins with the conversation with his father and like it's a slice of life you know but still did did we need well, it well it's interesting how well it's the word um was it season one or season two that had the other interface i don't even remember which one that was oh i think that's season two you're talking about barkley no, no, no. uh the no, no, when, when jordy had the you know uh facetime oh the the little cube on yeah. his um that was like I was pretty sure that was I season know, right? one. I think it. I think it was season two, honestly. So, but like you know, it's taken us like you know what we need to do that Jordy visor. <laughs> we really should talk about that. Let's spend seven. Let's just let it go, guys. We're really not gonna. <laughs> no, no, it could be a thing. What does he see? Does Data look like that to you guys? <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, he is pretty bright, but I don't know if yeah. he's that bright. And again, also, because I, I remember one or two references where Jordy had said that he was sort of a, a military brat. Like, he had to, I forget where it came up, but like, you know, where he always had to get used to going to a new place because his parents were both in service. But it was interesting to see that. Um, I mean, yeah, is, is it the greatest episode? Probably not. But, you know, and, you know, if you're going to have, you're going to have a bad episode for every good episode, it's not a bad episode to have. Other than yeah, it's it's just weird to me. Yeah, there's but. there's no there's no candles in this one, so it's fine. Yeah, so well that that brings us on to our next topic, and I don't really know which one to start with, but I wanted to talk about um, the, the episodes we like and hate or dislike the most. Um, I have two words for you, Daniel: speed limit. <laughs> oh boy <laughs> yeah that's a universally hated uh, kind of concept right the uh so from net what's it called natural force that's not it um force of, force nature. of nature that's what it is uh force of nature that concept that there's now going to be a celestial speed limit and uh you don't want to put a hole in the ozone or i mean sorry subspace why, why are you denying, Daniel, what I think um, all subspace scientists that <laughs> the is science in, is inconclusive, in their Philip, peer-reviewed <laughs> journals have shown that subspace is being torn by the repeated use look, of warp I'm drive. Look, Philip, why, I'm not – look, Philip, I know you're from big warp, you know, with your representations, but I <laughs> look, think if I'm, we listen, stick to the science – I'm saying – I'm not disagreeing with the scientists. There is a hole in subspace. I'm just saying I don't think man caused it. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. So you're blaming aliens. This is typical of the Prue administration. <laughs> no, yes. All right, let's talk about it. Let's talk the lows because the lows are very notorious in in this season. Uh, so natural force, force of nature. Sorry, I keep saying the wrong thing. Um, and I'm going to bring it up. I'm just going to say it off the top and you guys can take it from there. Sub Rosa, let's talk about it. Quite possibly the worst Probably on par with with uh, I'm squared. Shades of gray. You know this is uh, this this is my re- this is my reflection. You know what? <laughs> Gates got kicked off for a season. You know what? Let's give her the episode. Fine. She can she can have Sub Rosa. You know what? You deserve it. We'll give it to you. You know what it feels like to me. That whoever wrote, and I, I have no idea if this is true. This is probably not true with the amount of creative people. I think this was involved. Jerry's episode. If I, without okay, well, oh, then, then then actually that makes sense. I was going to say whoever wrote the Janeway teleplay uh, by Brandon Braga story, oh, interesting by Jerry Taylor. Jerry Taylor. Okay, that makes sense. Who, uh, who? By Jonathan Frakes. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I was going to say whoever wrote the Janeway hollow novel gothic kid ridiculousness oh, wrote Beatrice is my sister <laughs> wrote this like what kid talks like that I'm sorry and it was almost like somebody there was no editor who was like by the way you know we're doing a science fiction show nobody wants to see this it's this is ridiculous candle. don't light the bloody candle <laughs> oh man yeah. I like it was the shining in Scotland that was basically what this was it's almost as if they made an episode about how, um, what's his name, uh, Jack the Ripper came through time, <laughs> but he's actually an alien entity. It's like, oh, it's like no. I mean, I agree don't. with you that like Wolf in the Fold is a terrible episode. Wolf in the Fold is a, a ten times better than this. Uh, even Spock's brain is twice as good as this episode ever would it hope to be. I, I this episode has its reputation i think for a very very good reason it is to me almost unwatchable also beverly's grandmother another family member check it off the list that is yep that's true (laughs) that's true who lives on what uh yeah what do you scotland prime whatever Uh, like space scotland i believe that's what it's called space scotland space scotland you oh, know, we, look, Native uh, Americans have their own planet. The Scottish have their own planet. Look, I, I know the Earth wants to say it's a paradise, but I think there's some segregation <laughs> issues we need to talk about. It's because they kicked everyone out to their own planet by now. What about you guys? What, what, what episodes do you not like? Well, one piece of information, uh, Heart of Glory is where Jordy has that 
transmitter cube. It's when they beam over to the freighter and it's what the Klingons are on. That's where we see. Oh, his, that is a first uh, episode. So yeah, I'm pretty sure. I was pretty yeah. sure, and I I zeroed in on it. But yeah, and then we never see it again. <laughs> but uh, so worst episodes are talking yeah, I, about. Yeah, I tell you, I mean, an episode I just don't like. <sighs> Journey's End. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this one. Like, okay, like, you can slice, like, there's a fourth of this episode. I don't really like Journey's End either. That is good. Like, the whole Picard, you know, Maquis, I mean, they don't say Maquis, but we'll read into it. We'll retroactively make it the Maquis planet. You know, the Picard, Maquis, Native American, Admiral Necheyev, uh struggle, you know, that's an interesting story um, that doesn't go anywhere. Because there's no ending to this episode. It's, you know... Uh, traveler magic, the end. You know that, that's how this. You know how do how do okay. Well, I guess we'll have to make a whole entire series that solves this episode for us. Um, but that's interesting. <laughs> but this whole like Moody Wesley, who's like acting like Harry Potter in Order of the Phoenix. You know, just like kicking dirt around like stupidly stupid. You know, um, and then becomes you know befriended by an older gentleman. Again, because Wesley has a type. And, you know, and then just turns out to be the traveler and takes him away to be a magical energy being. You know, it's so Kess. Um, and, and <laughs> who I love, by the way. But, but, like, it just doesn't make sense. I don't... Yeah, Journey's End is hard to wrap my head around. It's... It, it's... It's... Uh, it's not good. I'm not gonna... I, I won't defend it and say it's good. I don't hate it. Um... I don't like it as a, especially as an ending to the Wesley story, except for when he randomly shows up in deleted scenes. Um, <laughs> and, and the fact yeah. that Journey's in stole the story from Insurrection. You know, again, I just I was don't just know say why they would do that. <laughs> uh, um, again, being told that's a later that happened later. Never mind. I, I you know, F- Philip. I think I actually don't know. You, you. <laughs> I laughed because you said there's a whole other series to wrap up the Journey's End story, and it could go either way. Whether you mean, uh, I, I imagine you're probably talking Voyager, um, but even Deep Space Nine, there's Cardassians there, so it could be, uh, it could be maybe that that, that there's the entire uh, that entire thing was. But I'm I'm kidding, of course. That's silly. But um, anything else? Any other episodes that really well, stick out to you? Interestingly, the and I'm forgetting the name, the Cardassian in. Journey's in shows up Olivec. in D Space Nine and shows up in Voyager. He shows up in Voyager. He's in the Caretaker. He's the one who's chasing Chakotay. Oh uh, yeah, oh yeah, Golovec. Gull- yeah, right? he does the uh, the famous twenty um, fourth century trifecta. That's that's what that's called. Who who else does the uh, uh, Ooh. Um, Will character? Riker? Well, no, Will that's Ry- not true. No, Will no, no, Riker no Rikers do you <laughs> in D Space Nine. Um, I don't think anybody else does. Oh, you mean it's in three no, episodes? In three series. In, or in, in, who's in um, both TNG? Uh, well, no, there are a lot of people. Right, no, right, there, there's there's a Riker was one spy. Riker was in three. No, no, no. he was in he, Space No, we're Nine. talking about singular character. So Will that Riker was, was not Thomas in, Riker, Darren. That was Thomas Riker. I know. Riker. No, I, I know. I know. I know. He, next gen. Voyager. No, 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 but I'm just talking about the three 24th century shows. Yeah, we, the, the, the trifecta, oh. yeah. Why are we making this so specific? Because only 24th century <laughs> matters. Oh, wait, no, it's awkward. No, it's awkward. Oh, God. <laughs> anyway. Anyways, okay. Uh, yeah, so anything else? Uh, any episodes other than that that stick out? Um, God, I like hated us? Lower Decks. It's just such a piece of crap. Stop it. Who stop would, it, Philip. Philip. <laughs> The last twenty minutes of this episode are going to be dedicated to Lordex, so I what, do want to mention. What do we think? What do we think of Firstborn? Oh, well, I, like, I know that is Daniel's favorite episode. I'm sorry, Daniel. I want to give you time to talk about Firstborn. Mm, but I mean, the whole like twist of the fact that Kitmar is Alexander from the future. Yeah, I mean, yeah, did we yeah, need well, that? I think, I think what the, the viewers were wondering is, does Larissa and Bator have children? And so they had to include that family member into this <laughs> season two, um, which, you know, awkward story for that kid. Um, you're an orphan after generations. So, you know, here's the thing. I, I don't love the episode. I actually don't hate it necessarily too much, except for the fact that obviously Alexander's in a lot. But it's But what is interesting to note is that we do get more Alexander in Deep Space Nine. But but chronologically, this Alexander is the oldest Alexander that we ever get to see. And we learn something very interesting. He is always a loser. 
He will always fail at everything he does, <laughs> and in this episode, he just proves it. His future tells tells him so. He can't even come back and take and and yeah, yeah whatever. No, I mean it's, like it's, I, like the part where he left the almanac um, for Worf to find. I felt like <laughs> that that just negated the future timeline. No, you you know, ridgehead. <laughs> <laughs> you sleep with this. You never put it away. But I will say... Uh, you sound like an idiot when you say <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, so one, uh, one episode I did want to bring up, and, and we won't get too far into this, uh, but Darren, you can defend it if you want. Oh. Masks. When are, we get, when are we getting to the I, good I ones? I was waiting for Darren oh, to yeah. do his Well, we were listing bad episodes, yeah, I wanted so to bring I up Masks as, as the final episode that I, I think is... Are, are, were you waiting for something, Daniel? Maybe for <laughs> someone to appear? Oh, what is it? What's the name of it, too? Osaka? Is it Osaka? How does it go? What is the name? Corgano. <laughs> no, that's not it. What, there was a different Osaka. name. Oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. There's a lot of names. There's a lot of names. So. What was the one? Oh, I'm she's cold. watching you. What was that one? What was? Um, is Masaka. Osa- yeah, okay. Ma- Masaka was the... Yeah. Was the 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 light we get the it. sun we get it Brent you can do different voices we get it we don't have to whole, have a whole episode about it it's so bad come by the fire <laughs> I have so much more I'm to give for the last season look I got I can do a, a Howard Cosell can you write that into an episode do you remember when I was wearing the dress I can do that again come on remember when I had the cigar and I did like the comedy routine <laughs> oh, I mean. And what would the cigar signify for this episode? Uh, <laughs> all, right, all right, that's it. That's, that's all that's, that, that yeah, needs to be, that's enough that's needs to be yeah, said about masks. You know what? We should just rewrite that episode. Sometime. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll we will. have to wait for it to appear on the horizon. But like The Next Generation, not to end on a sour note, let's end positively here, guys, and talk about our favorite our favorite episodes of the season, um, Darren. What are you? I know you have a couple. What, tell us what you love what about favorite season non-two-parters. Oh, what's with the specifics? <laughs> Come on, guys. Twenty-fourth century non-canon super ships. Okay, well, let me rack my brain. Um, uh, gosh, yeah. Uh, well, let's just talk about lower decks. We all love lower decks. Uh, you know, we all wish we had seen more. Not, not necessarily even need to have those characters, but just that type of story. That's kind of, you know, that's what we see in a lot of these newer shows like, you know, Battlestar Galactica and, and other things. If we see these lower characters and they, you know, lower rank characters that play a big part, we get these more ensemble casts. And I think, you know, that would have been great if, if like, uh, maybe three or so episodes had had that kind of angle in uh, in season seven. But as it stands, you know, in itself, Lower Decks is a great job, again, sowing seeds for DS9, but also uh, but also just being a great episode on its own. Yeah, because I know DS9 was going to take that part of Cito's story and, and have her come back, right, Daniel? That's what happened? That's what happened? What happened? Uh, if only. If only. Mm, although, I mean... <laughs> It's a, it's a, it's actually a double-edged sword, honestly. Um, it's called a batleth. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's the sword of Kalis. And if uh, if the listeners aren't aware, Lower Decks is actually my favorite episode of all of Star Trek. It's my absolute. I love that episode so much. I'll watch it a thousand times if I can. Um, but and the idea was to bring Cedo back uh, after this episode um, into Deep Space Nine, and I actually, as much as I would have loved to have seen that, it would have kind of a, a little bit taken away from this episode uh, because the conclusion of that episode would have kind of been weakened if, you know, it was the fact that that this character, this lowly, quote-unquote lowly character on the ship, sacrificed, you know, herself for the mission and and how that how all of our characters dealt with it and all of the new characters that we got to see, uh, you know, dealt with it. And, and one, one thing real quick... Um, to go off of what you said, Darren, like you're right. If TNG was produced now, what I would have loved to have seen was like every, like every season has a Q episode, not exactly, but for, as a general rule, there's always a, a holodeck episode. There's always a Q episode or whatever. I would have loved to have had like follow those characters once a season, you know, and then have them show up randomly in the background occasionally but like that would have been awesome you got to have a, like a mini arc of these kinds of background characters and would have made the ship feel more interesting and more alive 
And I hope that in the next Star Trek show they do something like that. Has anyone ever assembled all the Ogawa clips? Because that can make a whole episode of, like, because we get, I mean, like, if you go all through TNG, like, um, you know, she joins the staff, she she dates, she gets engaged, she gets married, uh, she gets promoted, um, she, uh, you know, gets pregnant, you know, like, like you could do all those clips from all seven years and have one episode, just the Ogawa episode. <laughs> uh, and, in, and she's in first contact. That's true. That's true. Yeah, she has a pretty big story arc. So yeah, I, I you know you know I we, we will and can and have and and will again talk about Lower Decks a thousand bazillion trillion times. Um, so we don't want to focus too much time on it. What else, guys? What else uh, sticks out to you in in this season? Well, I mean, I mentioned I mentioned it, but uh, Pegasus. I mean, to me, mm-hmm. I mean, because like I think if you were any kind of Star Trek writer and was like, what episode should I use for my season finale? It would <laughs> series be Pegasus. Finale. It would series be series finale. Well, you know, <laughs> you say tomato, um, but you know, but yeah, Pegasus is, is really I mean, good. Such a, 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 a dynamic. Like it could have been a. I mean, I'm glad it wasn't, but it could have been a two-parter um because it is it's sort of that epic scope of the past meets the future or the present excuse me the past meets the present um and the choices we make but then you have the romulan threat and you have sort of it just it just works on so many levels of you know the, what the federation has done treaties romulans you know everything and i, I think it, it, it's probably a, a typical what i would say is the epitome of what a seventh season episode should be well, and and you have Terry O'Quinn as Admiral Pressman, who's just, he's such a strong actor, because you need someone, you know, that's not Jellico, you know, to and that's not, you know, Necheyev to, like, to come up against Picard, you know, and, and have this kind of, you know, backstory connection with Riker, and he's, I mean, I love Terry O'Quinn, he's a great actor, I love all the things he's in, uh, he was great in Lost, and um, so, it's just... The the quality of story you get in this episode is is very good, and I think the the conflict that it introduces with uh, Picard and Riker, which is not what we I don't think we've ever seen really. I don't I mean maybe like like hide and Q is the last time I've seen like them like you know not counting Gambit when they punch each other out. Um, I think uh, what was a matter of perspectives like the only other time they're like. Not at odds, but like questioning. One. I think that was. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and so you know, because it reminds me of, and not to make fun, but like it reminds me of like Voyager, like <clears throat> Janeway and Chakotay go at all the time, both literally and figuratively. Um, but like you know, you don't see, and even Cisco, Kira, kind of argue. I mean, like not like forcefully, but Riker and Picard are usually on the same page. But this is one where like Riker's keeping secrets from Picard. Picard knows it, yeah. and he's like, you know what? I'm a captain. He's an admiral. I'm just going to have to trust you're doing it. And if not, maybe I'll have to reevaluate the command structure of the ship wheel. Dismissed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mic drop. That, that's, yeah, I was going to say, that's the, the, the electronic uh, 24th century mic Pad drop dropped. right there. Yeah. He needs to uh, drop a couple. Like, he, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this up. He's, he's got, a, like, eight on his desk. He just picks them all up and just clatters all to the floor. No, no. This is so serious. He doesn't even drop a pad. He drops one of those ridiculously clunky laptops tops that he has on the ready room table all the time <laughs> he's just he's like a cat he just pushes everything yeah. off the edge of the he table he looks him right in the eye too just like cats do they just look at you <laughs> and, and will's all like no sir all no of his paper no books. Don't, please don't uh you know and this episode has always had well i mean he does have a fish named livingston in his office so maybe you know he is kind of cat-like that's true that's true uh and, th- and uh, this episode always has flavors of the wounded for me um and obviously yeah. there's a lot of parallels between the two episodes and the wounded is also a fantastic episode. Um, and I also love the back, which, which it counteracts Canon, but who, who cares um, about cause Picard talks about why he picked Riker. I mean, we, we don't know that like encounter just says like, I don't know. He's randomly assigned. They just show up. They don't know each right. other. Um, you know, but, but this one actually flashed, you know, so this is a, a good seventh season. Like let's explain why Picard picked Riker. I mean, that's, that's just like a, Cute seventh season trivia that that I really enjoy. Philip, Philip, come on now. In season in Encounter Farpoint, Picard lays out why he picked Riker when he says, uh, "You know, you he wanted to go down on the away mission, and you said no, and you're going to keep doing that, right?" And blah 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 blah. Does that mean Pressman's the one who wanted to go down on the away missions, and Riker told him <laughs> oh, no? You know what? I wonder. Ensign Babyface didn't get to say what. 
Captain Preston did. <laughs> and um, now we know why Riker grew the beard. That's finally explained. You know, yeah, so no. many things are explained. So many things. Um, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, this is one where we get past history, but not in a bad way where it's like, oh, I wish we saw more of, you know, Will's past. It's like, we've seen enough of Will's past. But this is a good way to show us something new, and it gives us that new Picard dynamic, which, like you said, Philip, is is very strong. It was, and it was that that dilemma, the the Picard and Riker dilemma in that episode was so strong that it carried an entire other series finale for an episode. So I mean, <laughs> you know, it's, that's how. Yeah. Okay. It is. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, you can um, really sense the struggle in Pegasus. Like, I really wish I could understand how Riker worked this out. That would that would make a good story someday. Okay, well, we've listed Daniel's favorite episode and Philip's favorite episode. Can we talk about my favorite episode of season seven? Let's do it. Uh, even though I called it for years, The Gambit, and that's not even the freaking title. But um, but yeah, Gambit part one and two, episodes four and five of season seven. I, I Yeah, I mean, you guys, anyone who's listened to 90 plus episodes of us know, I love Ship in the Line and I love Gambit. Uh sh- no apology necessary. But no, I I love, you know, and I've said this all before, but I'll say it again. You know, I love the mystery of it. I love how everyone has something to do. I love how it, you know, pushes data up into command. And, you know, and we get to see the, you know, hobby side of Picard actually do something. And Riker totally gets to, you know, just, it's like Mission Impossible. Because he's like, got to improvise. Like the bad guys figured something out. Oh, no. Uh, but yeah, it's, and okay, it has weak points, uh, like any, you know, episode sometimes does, but as I'm also glad it was a two-parter though, and it wasn't crushed into a single episode. Cause I think if you try to tell this whole story as a single episode, you wouldn't have nearly as much of the intrigue and you'd probably cut a lot of the secondary stuff that we loved with, you know, with Riker and with, uh, with Worf and Data. I mean, Worf sings opera. You don't want to cut that out. I mean, I know, I know. There's some fans who who saw this as a part two, and when it finally started, they're like, "Finally," but that's just inappropriate to say on the bridge. So, well, actually, I'm I'm trying to remember now. When it shows the title, does it show part one? Like in the seldomly, title? and and uh, this is where fans are probably going to yell at me. I think seldomly it ever shows part one. Like it always shows like the name. And that's it. And then, like the second episode, yeah, will always be because part it's two. like if you showed part one, then everyone would know it's a two-parter. <laughs> I would love it if the best of both worlds was like the best of both worlds part one. They're like, oh, it's going to continue, guys. Don't, don't even, you know, <laughs> don't <laughs> worry. You have ruined our summer. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but no, I really, I really like uh, Gambit and you know just all, yeah, all the characters, the the plot. Yeah, it's again, it's a little weird. The whole, what would you call it, um, chakra thing that focuses anger, you know, Vulcan mysticism's a little weird. But, uh, but you know, beyond that, you know, and you know, who doesn't want to see Starfleet officers hanging around in bars? It's very Star Wars, <laughs> you know. It's it's very Cantina esque. Yeah, and have like outdoor phaser matches you know that happens in that episode as well oh yeah i just looked it up on trek core and it does say gambit part one in the title uh-huh. screen spoilers but then again it was a mid-season so maybe that <laughs> maybe, yeah, we're, maybe we'll cancel this theme maybe this is the series finale you don't know we're crazy <laughs> fire <laughs> the conclusion will be seen on screen in star trek gambit well doesn't that kind of happen in the reverse where at the very end of this episode Picard's shooting at the Enterprise is it's his payback for best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Mr. Picard, fire. <laughs> um, yeah, and you know what? Uh, that's a solid episode for sure. And one other episode that I'll, I'm just going to briefly mention, um, but not really get into because we have an entire episode dedicated to it, um, is All Good Things, of course. Of course. Of oh, course. Of course. Yeah, Daniel, I do have to say, I am curious. What are your thoughts? I don't know if we've gotten it or not. What are your thoughts on Preemptive Strike? 
Oh, actually, I was going to bring up Preemptive Strike. I really love Preemptive Strike. Because Lieutenant Rowe, as I believe she is in this episode, she um, gets promoted. Does she, yeah. does she get the story that you would uh, say deserves her of her then becoming the first officer? Of, oh, wait, that's I'm thinking of something else. Um, of her <laughs> joining the Maquis. Um, oh, man. Yeah, I, I like this story. Um, I think it's. I think it's a really honest story. Um, I think uh, the fact that, you know, a lot of times people like to say that, you know, TNG goes with safe endings and, and like emotionally easy and satisfying endings. Like this was tough. This is, I mean, like we only, we do only get so much row in, in the series, but she does become a pretty important character. And this is a betrayal, but to her father figure. And it's, it, you feel it. You feel it at the end of the episode. And as much as she does, she hates to do it. She's following her her conscience. She's following you know her convictions. And she's following um, her pog, Daniel. <laughs> really, she's following the hasbrat. I think is really you what say it is. she's following her pa. Yeah. that's that's perfect. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's come it's, for the revolution. Stay for the hasbrat. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> It, it, you know, um, it's got to be fresh hospital. None of that replicates. Man, it, like it bothers me so much that I mean, obviously, I would have liked her as the actual uh, first like officer, like, but at that at point, the, watching the end of this episode, like tears are coming down the face. It's like, oh, it's the hospital. It's so spicy. It's what it is. <laughs> 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 but it, you know, you know, really, at that point, we were already halfway. You know, we were at the end of season two of Deep Space Nine. I still would have loved to have seen some follow up with her character. I think that they definitely could have had her at some point, even if she was like the woman that helps Thomas take over the defiant. Like that would have like a man. That'd, oh. be my, that'd be my favorite episode of all time. I think if, that, if they had, that. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, why would she have reason to visit? I don't know. A station, you know, orbiting Bajor. Yeah. I mean, why could we not write an episode, a single episode of that happening? I, I can tell you the reason why, and I'm going to get hate for this. I'm I'll probably get hate comments and hate mail for this. The That's reason you one could, up Dan. At, <laughs> right. The reason the you could, the reason you could not have Roe show up on D Space Nine is because she would have instantly shown up Kira, and everybody oh, would have known how much better. I was actually gonna get to see what you were gonna say. I'm like, what is he gonna say? And I totally got how blindsided. How much better of a character Roe was than Kira, and then Kira would have just you know fallen apart on that show. I'm sorry, that's what. what, what so like, happened. which one they would have gone into an ambojitsu match? No, no, which one would you have know? had the double red lightsaber, and which one would have had the green? One? <laughs> yes. Okay. So we've talked. What, and I said, like, and, and I think an episode. I don't know. I think y'all like it, but some people I, I think out there in the in the Trekiverse hate it for some or don't like it. Genesis. I love Genesis. It is my Genesis. It, like rascals that we often talk about. Genesis is like a total mind candy episode for me. I, I like Genesis. I don't care what people say. I love everyone turning into animals. It's awesome. It's it's Braga stupid, um, but it is a fun episode, <laughs> it, and it also sure. features a Torf storyline. By the way. That's true. And and it has one of my favorites. It's got Barkley in it, so I can't hate too much on it. Well, and it also it got uh it was um it was Emmy nominated for best achievement in makeup in a series. So good good for them. <laughs> yes. And actually I'm I'm glad you brought that up, Darren. Uh, one one note, interesting note about season seven is that the only time in history that a syndicated television show was nominated for best drama on TV yeah. at the Emmys, syndicated sci-fi show. You know, yes, yes, a syndicated sci-fi television sci-fi show. show. And, uh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. and uh, it didn't win. I can't remember off the top of my head who ended up winning, but uh, quite the accomplishment nonetheless. Um. But anyways, guys, all right, so yeah, that's season seven. We'll obviously talk more about all of these separate subjects uh, at another time. But real quick, let's just get some closing thoughts. Uh, Darren, what do, you, what do you think? What are your last thoughts about season seven? You know, I think, like we were saying, the ups and the downs and the, and the good and the bad, you know, it's actually a pretty, it kind of balances itself out if you think about it. If you were going into a season seven rewatch, you'd be like, oh, great, you know, parallels and Pegasus. And then you're like, oh, okay, now some so bros. Oh, but you know, at the end of the day, 
you're going to end with uh, all good things. And it's just going to be everything, you know, the sky is going to be the limit. And so (laughs) it just, it it erases all sin of of the season and you just uh, go with it. Philip, what about you? Yeah. And I think there's just something about Picard at a campfire. I mean, the man can tell me anything at that point. So like an attached, when he's telling Beverly, you know, yes, but you were my friend's, you know, wife, and I got over it. Like, that was interesting to me, that Picard said he, like, he got, like, this whole sexual tension we've had for six and a half years, that he says, it's totally true, but, like, I got over it. Um, and which I think, you know, for the for the pressure people, I don't know if that was a slap in the face or not, but I thought it was very interesting. I mean, it doesn't mean that there's not still something there, but it, it was just a very, oh, man, Picard and the campfire. He could tell me a story, an epic poem, you know, tell me about his true feelings for me whatever whatever i can i can listen to it um but seventh season yeah i think like you you said daniel you know seasons three through six you're going to get the solid tng you know insert it directly into the bloodstream um but seventh season you don't you don't want to miss it because you're going to be missing some great stuff so uh, i have that winner for the uh seven or 46th primetime emmy awards picket fences <laughs> yeah yeah, okay, that's like Annie Hall winning, you know, Best Picture over Star Wars in 77. It's just, no. Oh, those are two separate organizations. And which one's because... still on Netflix, huh? Huh? <laughs> which one's coming out with new movies? Huh? Huh? All right. Um, yeah, and, and... Oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> Yeah, and and I agree with both of you guys. Um, you know, it's it's not the strongest uh, season, certainly. Um, I would say much stronger than season one and two for sure. Um, but uh, you know, I wish we had gotten some more resolution for a, for a bunch of things. But you know, it is what it is, and there's a lot of solid stuff in there. I'm glad in your closing thoughts, Philip, that you brought up uh, attached. That's a great episode too. Um, and a couple of other of these episodes are really good. Uh, we didn't get to go too far into them, but, um, yeah, I mean, people kind of say that they ran out of stuff towards the end. Um, and while I think that's partially true, I also think some of their strongest stuff was at the end. Um, you know, parallels is a great example of a, a really interesting idea, something that they hadn't really, really done before. So anyways, season seven is not the only thing we've been talking about here on Trek FM this week, so here's a listen to what else you may have missed on the network. Previously on Trek.FM, Standard Orbit. So now we're going to have to spend like a half an hour talking about these Star Trek comics when I could be reading Star Wars comics. Yes. I hope the listeners appreciate the (laughs) sacrifices that we're making to bring this moderately entertaining podcast to them. Earl Grey. We divide the ship into one of two ways. Port goes to port. I better not see any starboard guys on the starboard phaser target practice. You guys know which side of the ship you're on. The orb. Also, the original title of this episode was A Matter of Breeding, which when we talk about things feeling TNG-ish, that could have been a Riker episode. (laughs) (laughs) The Ready Room. It's about people and feelings and emotions. It's about philosophy. It's about the future. It's about hope. It's about glory. It's about intellectual promise. That's what Axnar is about. It is not a story about pew, pew, pew. I promise you that. To the journey! Well, you telling me that I need to make love to this alien woman or she's going to die? Well, <laughs> for king and country, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right, only on Star Trek. Warp 5. I remember watching Broken Bow when Enterprise first debuted when I was in high school. I remember revisiting it now in full, and I had forgotten the fact that Future Guy had actually played an integral role from the get-go with Silic and the Sulaban, which we'll talk about later in the show. Commentary, Trek stars. But you would never pick up on that based on the way that it plays out, aside from the fact that they explicitly tell you in the dialogue, <laughs> you know? The 602 Club. The prequels are the most autobiographical uh, works that Lucas has done. Because if you follow Anakin's arc, he comes onto the scene, nobody's seeing him coming, and then he's a wonderkind, but he doesn't know what to do with it, and he's overwhelmed and feels a bit trapped. 
Literary Treks. Deep Space Nine, among all the Star Trek series, is the one that really, over time, and I'm talking about now on the television series, not just in the books, changed the most. Axanar, the official podcast. It is the spirit of TOS that matters that's being captured, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the aesthetic. The aesthetic was 1966 to 1969 that had its moment, it had its time, and there's a certain amount of charm still to that. But it doesn't allow you to push the narrative forward because that type of aesthetic holds creativity back, in my opinion. Women at Warp. My absolute favorite thing about this episode is that this is a love potion only if it's between a man and a woman. They make it explicitly clear that if you touch two men or two women, they just become really good friends. And that's what else is happening on Trek.fm. So check out these shows to get in on the Daily Trek Talk. You'll find them in iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, the Windows Podcast Directory for Xbox and Zoom. Visit the Trek.fm website for the full Trek experience. You can view our podcast directory to stream the audio from all of our shows. If you would like to contact us, just go to trek.fm slash contact. From there, choose Message to a Trek FM Show and select Earl Grey. These messages will be relayed by Starfleet to the three of us. In social media, you'll find us on facebook.com slash trek.fm or join our Facebook listener discussion group called The Babel Conference. Find it by searching The Babel Conference on Facebook. Now let's take a moment to talk about our sponsor this week, Audible.com. Audible is a great way for you to read all the books you've always wanted to read but never thought you'd have time for. This is the premier source for audiobooks with more than 150,000 titles to choose from and new titles coming every week. From classics to current bestsellers and even some of the most famous Star Trek books like Prime Directive, Federation, and Spock's World, Audible has something for everyone. Now, as a Trek FM listener, you can get a free audiobook of your choice, along with a 30-day trial to see just how great Audible is. So give it a try today. Catch up on all those classic Star Trek books you've yet to read. Just go to audibletrial.com slash trekfm and sign up today. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekfm, and we thank Audible for supporting Earl Grey and Trek FM. There's one more way you can directly help us to keep Earl Grey coming to you each and every week, and that's through becoming a patron of Trek FM. By visiting patreon.com slash trek.fm, you can choose among various pledge levels and receive rewards for becoming a Trek.fm patron. These rewards let you inside the observation lounge of our network and make it possible for us to distribute all our great content. So please become a patron and visit patreon.com slash trek.fm today. All right, Darren, if people, if people have like started to, you know, plants started to sprout in their house and they don't know how to get rid of them, how uh, how would how would they get in contact with you you know for some advice? Uh, yeah, they could find me on Twitter under username Masaka is returning. Uh, no, no, it's actually hashtag Masaka is returning. Um, no, they could find me on Twitter under username Doctor Sci-Fi. That's D R S C I F I. And Philip, if people suddenly find themselves psychically connected to you and have been thinking about politics all the time, how would they get a hold of you? They will find out that I seem to have a smart aleck remark for everything. Oh, wait, they do know that. I say it out loud. Um, but anyway, uh, they can reach me on Twitter at handle NC Public Servant. That's NC for not canceled. We left voluntarily at the top of our game. See that <laughs> certain series that I won't say. Drop the pad. <laughs> Uh, and if people want my uh, top five Hasperat recipes, uh, they can find me on Twitter as well, at 1UpDan. That is the number one, not the word. All right, guys. Well, I'm actually, you know, I I don't even know how to play poker. Uh, but I've got some buddies, uh, some friends that are that are having a game tonight. And for my first time ever, I'm going to go see if I can sit in and, and try. <laughs> Make sure you put that banjo music on while you're playing. <laughs> So uh, we will catch you next week on Earl Grey. Engage. Make it so. Live long and prosper. Fire. Fire.